Hey friends, before we get to this week's episode, we have a couple of great things coming up this month at Redemption Hill that we want to share with you. All the details for these you can find on the website that's linked in the show notes. First, we have All Be Home for Christmas, a hand-spun, homemade family Christmas show. This will be December 22nd at the Basque Center downtown at 6 p.m. This event is sponsored by Boise Turnkey Real Estate, and all the proceeds will go to support Leap Housing. You can bring your whole family and you can RSVP at the Facebook event, also linked in the show notes. This year, we'll be doing two Christmas Eve services in conjunction with Discovery Church. Those will take place at 3.30 p.m. and 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve. We hope to see you there. Now, enjoy today's episode. Hope you guys are having a great time with your microchurch. I know many of you have been sick and we've been praying for you um, that you and your kids would feel better as we all fight through the seasonal illnesses that come with the colder weather. My name is Robert Frazier. If we haven't met, I'm one of the elders here at Redemption Hill. And uh, microchurch is such a beautiful thing that we can be together even when we don't have a large place to meet. Uh, There's sweet times of family time. So if you're not a part of one, please let me know. We'd love to help you either start one on your own or be a part of one of our existing. Our micro churches are really, like when we say micro, we really mean simple. It's the simplest expression of what it means to be God's people. When we're together, we have spaces where we gather and connect with God, where we worship Him, hear from Him, understand Him better. We have spaces where we grow in our connection with one another and we grow in learning the way of Jesus. And we have spaces where we live out our faith and our calling and the way of Jesus in community through service and through mission and through justice. And so uh, Microchurch is really where all of the best parts of being Redemption Hill happen. And I hope that you have connected with one this morning. And uh, for those of you who are looking, you can go to redemptionboise.org slash advent. It has all of the things you're going to need for our micro church liturgy this week, which will include some questions and this video, the links to the podcast, and also some resources for you, your family, your community to celebrate Advent. Advent is the season at the beginning of um, of the year, the, the, the church year, when we celebrate God coming. Advent means uh, God coming towards, God, God coming near us. And we celebrate how God made his home among his people. This week we're celebrating the second week of Advent. And the second week we're going to light what we call the angel candle or the peace candle. And when we celebrate Advent, um, I, I don't know about you, but I'm not, I'm not a traditional person. I'm not, a, I'm not somebody who's looking for... Um, to do things over and over again the same way. But what I've learned to really appreciate about something like the season of Advent or the church calendar, which kind of frames our year and different things that we remember and celebrate, is that as we do particular things in a particular time, in a particular way, the same time every year, God did this genius thing where he embeds in time and space through tradition, a remembrance of the story. So what we're going to do is every Christmas, 
every um, November and December, the beginning of January, we're going to tell this story over and over and over again so that we don't forget, so that our kids remember, and so that it'll be passed on generation after generation. And what, what tends to happen is as we light the candles, as we tell the story, as we read the scriptures, as we sing the songs, as we build these traditions, we embed the story in the season. And so your kids, as they get older, we as we get older, as the weather turns from fall into the beginning of winter, the story will come to life through the season coming in the dark nights and the candlelight. Christmas Eve and time with grandkids will remember the story and tell the story and tell the story of God's faithfulness to come through on his promises. And so we do these traditions to embed the season with the story. So when we imagine the word peace, it's, it's a strange word and it, it conjures up so much in our world. When we, when we think about the word peace, the idea of peace um, it, it has taken on just this plethora of meanings. The first, obviously, is the end of war or the absence of conflict. Um, for a lot of people, peace means good feelings, tranquility inside themselves, um, th that we're free from disturbance. Maybe you want some peace and quiet around your house from your kids or from your significant other. Um, maybe it means just being home alone. That sounds like peace. I don't know if you ever get that. Maybe once a month, I'll have a couple hours at the house by myself, <clears throat> and it's just glorious peace. Maybe it's something that we use. We use the word peace as a greeting when we say peace. Uh, we might say so, tell someone good, goodbye when we say peace. Um, or maybe we tell our kids, peace, be still, when we want them to quiet down. Christmas has all this language about peace because we're trying to make sense of why it is a season of peace, and, and how is Jesus, this, this Prince of Peace that God promises in Isaiah, and then reminds us in Luke, and then as Jesus is born, these words are spoken over him prophetically. He is the Prince of Peace. In Luke 2.13, it says, Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others as they appeared to the shepherds and armies in heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Peace on earth to whom God is pleased. John 14, Jesus is leaving his disciples and in his last conversation with them, he says, I'm leaving you a gift. He says, I'm leaving you peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is, is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So what is Jesus talking about here when he talks about peace? What is this peace of mind and heart, this gift from God? What is this peace on earth that was proclaimed by the prophets about Jesus and proclaimed by the angels about Jesus? Well, let's, let's start with this. Jesus and the angels didn't use the word peace. And they didn't even use the Greek word that was written in the New Testament, erene. They used the word shalom. In Aramaic and in Greek, they would have said, or in Aramaic and in Hebrew, they would have said shalom. And shalom means so much more than the thin version that the Greeks had of Irene, peace, or even our Western minds have built the word peace around. So let's look at Luke chapter 1 today and the visit of the angel to Mary 
and get some keen insight into the kind of peace that was being proclaimed by the angel to Mary. So we're in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, if you have your Bibles with you. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, so Elizabeth is Mary's cousin, and um, she is giving birth to this one who will come before the Messiah, John. God sent the, the angel. Angel is not a technical word that means messenger from God. It just means messenger. It means messenger. So um, the guy who rode down the street and handed somebody a note, that was an angel in Greek. That's the word that they use. So it's where that they translate it, angel. It should say messenger. God sent the messenger Gabriel. So he has a name. He has an identity to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what, the, what this messenger could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the messenger told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, Yeshua, God saves. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked this messenger, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age as well. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then this messenger left her. So what does this passage have to do with peace? Well, we're, we're talking about the angel candle and celebrating the part that the angels played. But we're also looking at this idea of peace. And this passage is about peace. It's about how God himself is going to bring peace. So let's start with the idea of what, a, what is a messenger or an angel. An angel is someone who has a particular thing, an idea, a set of words, a story that has to be brought in a timely manner. And in the ancient world, these might be people who um, have a message primarily from someone who's very wealthy or very powerful, bringing it to someone who needs to know it, who isn't able to have access to that information. And so in the ancient world, an angel, a herald, a messenger would be sent by a powerful king or a powerful rich um, person, and they would go to their tenants, they would go to the places that they were responsible for, and they would give a message about primarily only things that changed that mattered to them from their ruling class. Now, I got to tell you, the only things that messengers would send notes about were one, there's a change of management, i.e. there's a new governor, there's a new Roman centurion, there's a new emperor who comes along, and a herald would be sent out to all of the kingdom, to all of the empire, to all of the region, and make sure that everybody knows the news. And that's what's happening here, is that the king of all heaven, 
the God of all creation is sending his messenger to make sure that his people know that there's a change of management coming. And he's preparing the way by telling the key players they have a part to play in this story. This is like a news release from heaven, but it's a, it's a narrow release. It's, a, it's an embargoed release that's only for certain people, people who needed to know and people who were paying attention. And these, these heralds, these stories, these storytellers, these messengers, they work for kings. They're kind of like hype men. They're preparing the way. And what they're preparing the way for is the inbreaking of this new kingdom. They're letting the world know that there's a new king who's going to come, and he's going to bring peace. Now, what is the kind of shalom or peace that this king is bringing. Well, when we look at this passage, we see that he's going to be called Great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, which this was used of primarily at that moment. It was used to speak of Augustus as the Son of the Most High, i.e. Julius Caesar and or Zeus. He wanted to connect himself with the gods as the Son of God the very Son of God. And so Jesus is uh, coming in the world, and the Father, God of all creation, is saying, this is the real Son. This is the real King. And this was pretty pretty quick after the Roman Empire had been established, and Augustus had been named the first emperor after the betrayal of Julius and the triumvirate. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, so he's going to be the king that will rule over all of God's people. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never, ever end. The angel is saying that the kingdom is coming and God is breaking in. And this kingdom, this kingdom is bringing the shalom that we've all been hoping for. The Prince of Peace coming along. Now we, we hear this. Uh, the, the problem with the word peace and Prince of Peace and, and peace in the Christmas story is it feels so trite. It feels so overused. It feels so sentimentalized. We hear it in the songs and it makes us feel good about snowy white nights as we drive along in our sleighs out in, a, in, in, in the city to grandmother's house. That's the way we think about the, the peaceful snow falling. But it's always connected with the idea of the rule and reign of the kingdom. Peace cannot come without the kingdom of God coming. Shalom cannot come. That flourishing of all creation that we've talked so much about cannot come without the kingdom taking its place as the rightful ruler over creation. The kingdom is coming, and it only comes through the reign and rule of Christ. You cannot have the kingdom of God without the reign and rule of Christ because adherence to the way of Jesus brings the peace and the prosperity and the flourishing, the kind of kingdom shalom that we're all looking for, all things set right. The kingdom is coming, this angel is saying, the Messiah, the Savior, the one that we've been waiting for is on the way. But this sort of peace that we're hoping for and the flourishing that we're hoping for 
it's not pastoral or idyllic. It's not, it's not about being away from people. The way that the Bible describes it is when the kingdom comes, it's going to come as this garden city. And that it's going to be this perfect, um, harmonious relationship between humanity and earth living among one another. So it's not um, a Jeffersonian vision of pastoral life out in the desert by yourself, that sort of peace. It's not quaint. It's not, it's not schmaltzy. It's not um, some, some silly um, idealized version of the past when things were easier. But this sort of shalom that we're hoping for is something much more powerful and also something much more scary because the shalom that comes from the kingdom, it only comes through violence. Now, this, this is going to feel crazy to all of us because we imagine peace to be the absence of violence, but peace only comes through violence. It comes through evil itself and those that have given themselves over to evil to be vanquished because Humanity and our participation in evil is what brings about all of the brokenness in this world. And so the only way that the kingdom of God comes is by getting rid of the powers of darkness and the principalities of this earth and all those who have been caught up in their schemes. Shalom only comes through violence to take away those who, to destroy those who are bringing destruction. Shalom only comes through power. And through authority. And that's going to feel antithetical to us as Westerners where we think of ourselves as, as a collection of equals who um, in a democracy all have a say. The kingdom brings shalom because it's the singular vision of the creator God who's imposing on this world the way that it was meant to be. And so the shalom of the kingdom only comes through his power so that evil itself is restrained from overcoming us and overcoming this world again. So shalom only comes through violence by vanquishing evil. Shalom only comes through power or through authority so the evil might be restrained. And shalom only comes through sacrifice. That is, evil has to be transformed through the loving sacrifice of kingdom people. Because the very prize of shalom, the prize of the kingdom, is not a scorched earth with no one in it. But for God, the shalom of this earth is going to be all people gathered to himself as his true family. Shalom is all people finding their rightful place among him and his people. Shalom is so much more than we could ever imagine, but it also costs so much more than any of us can ever Imagine it is this true, complete flourishing where every part of society is set right. When we look at what's happening in Ukraine right now, it's we, we haven't had a, a meaningful war between two countries in a very, very long time one between two relative equals. And what you see in modern warfare is that every part of a society is afflicted by warfare. Food is decimated. Food prices have skyrocketed almost primarily because Ukraine itself provides a, a massive amount of the starches that the world eats from Africa to Europe to America to Asia. You look at 
the way that our, our world oil markets have been transformed by this disruption from one of the main suppliers. And all of a sudden, every part of our life is affected by this war that's happening halfway around the world. You look at the cities of Kharkiv and you look at um, those who have been under R Russian and Ukrainian shelling for the last eight months. And what's happened is they're not inhabitable places. The destruction of warfare has laid them to be not only barren land, but unusable, filled with mines and death and destruction still. And then you look at the loss of power and heat in homes, and you look at the loss of millions and tens of millions of hours of labor that was taken to remove people out of Ukraine that will never be regained. And you look at the, the diseases that have run rampant among those who are living among these refugee communities, and you see that war itself is the very epitome of evil and that those who make war are at war with god because it's bringing the destruction of this world that it was never meant to have and what we're living in in this world right now before the kingdom of god comes in power is we're living in a world at siege a world at war between itself a world at war with the powers and principalities of darkness and a world that's waiting for the final war when God himself will bring about this shalom that we've been hoping for. You see, shalom is the total, complete flourishing of all things. Not just the absence of conflict, but the harmony between God and creation and mankind that we were meant to live in. And that's why Advent really is such good news. It's because Advent means... Uh, it's it's a compound word that means coming towards. Ad is to or towards, and vent is the um, Latin verb for to come. And it's this beautiful compound word because it's not just going. It's not just a journey. It's not just God on the road, but it's God coming towards us to draw near to us. There's a direction of connection and presence where God himself is saying, I'm going to enter into the brokenness of your world and the corruption of your world. And the good news of the Prince of Peace coming is that evil is going to be vanquished in the powers and the principalities out there. This world is at, under siege from the powers of darkness and God himself will overthrow them. He will take away their power to destroy. Evil is being restrained as the kingdom of God comes in part and ultimately in its fullness. In our lives, as we follow in the way of Jesus, evil is being restrained from taking power over us. And here's the best part of the story of Christmas is that when God enters in and the kingdom starts to break into this world, Evil's being transformed. The people of this world who are participating in the evil of the kingdom of darkness are being saved and transformed and experiencing the flourishing of shalom and God's kingdom in part in their life and in their family and in their community. This is so powerful. But why didn't it come when Jesus came? Why didn't it come in its fullness? We talk a lot about the now that the, the kingdom of God has come in Christ and it has come in power in Christ, but that it's not yet its complete fulfillment which will come in those last days. 
because right now we're living in the in-between times, the, the liminal spaces where we're living as a kingdom who's in exile, an underground kingdom where we live loyal to a king who doesn't look like he has authority in the world but has transformed us. We're loyal to the king who is winning the empire, who's overcoming the empire one person at a time, one transformed life at a time. You see, the kingdom of God is not about dominion or conquest, but rather people being transformed and participating in small, tangible ways for the world around them. The kingdom of God is coming in power and shalom is coming through you and through me, through God's work in our lives. The peace or shalom of God's kingdom is proclaimed by us at Christmas time. The king who brings lasting peace is here. So pledge your loyalty and join the work of seeing the shalom, the flourishing of creation, one person, one family, one neighborhood at a time, because this is the only work worth doing. Join us in this work if you haven't already. Pledge your loyalty to the King. So what does this mean for us? How do we, how do we live this out in tangible ways? Well, Christmas, we need to be like the angels. We need to proclaim the kingdom. What, what if you found a way to tell the people around you that you have found the shalom of God? Have you ever expressed the reality that God's kingdom is bringing about peace inside of you and peace in your family that wasn't there before? And how the people in your life are looking for that? What if there was a way to share that story with the people we love? So this Christmas, tell your story. Invite those people to hear the story of God at Christmas Eve. Write a long-form story and picture on social media that tells a story of experiencing the shalom of God's kingdom. Maybe this is the season where your story will help someone else find God's kingdom. In, in our microchurches, one of the key ways that we start our microchurches is that we look around the world and we ask, what is good news? What is shalom? to our neighbors and our workplaces and our schools and our extended families. Well, this is a step that we need to take to bring the shalom of God through acts of restorative justice. We have to look at our community and say, what do they need? Housing, connection, freedom, food, clothing. What are those tangible ways that people need to experience the kingdom of God and how we can be a taste of that? So I want you to take some time in your microchurch today, and I want you to talk about where your spheres of influence need the kingdom of God to come, and, and how could you in some creative ways be a tangible taste of God's kingdom, where Jesus talks about how the Holy Spirit is a foretaste of, of what will come. Paul, Paul says that the Holy Spirit is a foretaste of what will come. And then I want to challenge each of you in your microchurches this season. Your job is to have some tangible way. It doesn't need to be a perfect way, but some tangible way that you as a group are going to work together, something only you can do together, and you're going to go out in the world and find ways to pursue justice, to pursue proclamation of the story of God, and to pursue hospitality towards those who have yet to experience God's kingdom. That's your work. That's my work. I'm, I'm going to ask for stories from your microchurch, from your family. What is happening? How are you taking the kingdom of God and proclaiming it like the angels did? The shalom of God comes when we participate in his kingdom. Let's pray together. Lord God, 
The angels are a gift because they make sure that we don't miss out. We don't miss out on you coming. We don't miss out on the kingdom of God breaking in. Mary knew to pay attention and to treat her son differently, to prepare him for what you had called him to. Mary knew in her heart that she could trust that you would provide for her. And Mary had seen how providing a baby for Elizabeth had also given her hope that maybe you would come through with a miracle for her like that. Lord God, we pray that we would pay attention and we would live with supernatural eyes to hear the messages that you have for us and to live out the kingdom and to proclaim the kingdom to the world in tangible, real ways. And maybe even in our hospitality, entertaining angels, even though we don't know it. Lord God, have your way in our church and in our community, on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Blessings, friends. Um, if you have kids who are going to be a part of our um, Christmas gathering on December 22nd, we're going to have uh, this afternoon, I think it's starting at 1230, there's going to be um, rehearsal over at the Youth House at Discovery. Christmas Eve, we're going to be at Discovery, 3.30 and 5 o'clock for our Christmas Eve services. Make sure to join us for that. It's going to be a really sweet time where uh, our team and their team is doing it together for Christmas Eve. And then we will be in our micro churches on Christmas Day and on January 1st. And we will start meeting in person as a larger community, our network of micro churches on Sundays at 9 o'clock starting January 8th. If you have any questions, make sure to reach out um, on our website or on social media. We love you, friends. See you soon. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes in your podcast feed. You can find out more on how to get connected with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org slash connection, where you can fill out the Connect card and start your journey today. For regular encouragement throughout the week, follow us on Instagram at Redemption Boise. We are so glad you're here and are excited to accompany you in your story with God. We hope to see you soon.